This week on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture, Father Brian Lager explains the conflict in Israel. Why is there so much tension over the nation-state of Israel? Well, let's find out. Father Brian Lager is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, Cody Marincer. We've got Father Brian Lager in here, and, you know, this is going to be fantastic because I think there's a lot of confusion around um, a lot of what's going on, um, and, and so we're going to get to the conflict in Israel and uh, have him maybe enlighten us um, with uh, what he knows about it. But first, I, I kind of want to introduce him in case um, anybody out there listening doesn't know who Father Brian is. After uh, graduating from Benedictine College in Atchison, Father Brian served as a focus missionary and then entered the seminary. He was ordained in 2012 and has served in Salina, Plainville, Hayes, and now as the pastor of Sacred Heart Church in Colby. So, Father Brian, how are you doing today, sir? Good. So, you know, um, I also have to say that, um, you know, um, I've taught um, Old Testament uh, mm-hmm. biblical stuff, so I, I do know some about um, the Israelite people and stuff like that, but I'm also... Um, Still very ignorant on a lot of this, and I, I think maybe a sure. lot of other people are because of, you know, the, the religious groups are there. You know, we, we've got some Muslims, sure. we've got some uh, people who are um, Jewish people and stuff like that. And so can you help us to figure out, you know, who are the religious groups that are in sure. the Holy Land? Historically, um, you know, um, they several groups think they have a claim to the land, and so um, do they have a claim? Why do they have a claim? You know, any of this stuff that maybe you can start us out sure. with. Sure. Well, I do need to say that I'm not an expert on this. Um, okay. At all. I am not a political expert. I am not a historical expert. Um, I was asked to talk about this because I was just there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so that's a disclaimer from both of us. Absolutely. Neither of us are experts on this. Nope, not an expert. But And, and to be honest, I, I don't think I would actually – and this may sound bad in saying it on the radio, but uh, I don't know that I would pay attention to it if I hadn't have just been there. Okay. So the day that I got back, I got back on September 21st, and then literally uh, Hamas bombed Israel um, two weeks, literally two weeks later. Okay. And so and so I was paying attention because I, like, I had just been there. I know these spots. Like I know exactly, or for the most part, know exactly where that stuff is. Didn't quite understand where Gaza is. I had to look that up. Yeah. Um, I knew it was in the south. Um, and, uh, and, and so that was, and so I, yeah, I had to, had to do more research when I got back, but, but just seeing the, the people when we were there, um, and, uh, seeing the Palestinians, seeing the, seeing the Jews, um, it was, uh, uh it just hit home more than yeah. I wouldn't have paid attention at all. I don't think if, uh, if, if I hadn't have just been there. So, so that's, that's, uh, that's probably needs to be said before, before we dive in, but, um, so, so in in the Holy Land, in uh, in Israel, um, well, it's it's hard to talk about because it's complicated. But uh, it's good to it's good to know that the the groups that are in the Holy Land, the groups that are in Israel, are uh, number one the Jews, and uh, and we're, we all know that the Holy Land was was given to them by God, and um, and they were to go in and conquer and uh, and to actually drive out the foreign nations. Um, and I think it's good to be said that they didn't do that biblically. When we go and read the Bible, they didn't do that. They didn't do what God said. Mm-hmm. It's good to remember that. Um, the The second group of people that are there are the Palestinians. Now, the Palestinians, um, it's hard to actually know the who the Palestinians actually are. 
Um, the Palestinians are Arab, are Arabs. They're Ara- they speak Arabic. Um, but but also our tour guide told us that the word Palestinian actually means Philistine, um, which I didn't know. Uh, but also that might just be a term that is given to them. I'm not for sure. I don't know if they're related yeah. to the Philistines from the Old Testament. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know about that. Gotcha. But that's what our guide said. And he himself was a Palestinian Arab, and um, but he was also an Israeli citizen. And so this is this is the complications uh, of living in yeah. Israel itself. Is you have the Jews who are there who are of Jewish descent. And, and we have to remember that Jewish descent is actually, it's a race. It's mm-hmm. a, uh, they have a special blood type, just like any race. Um, so it is a race, but it's also, um, but it's also a, p- a political aspect as well. Mm-hmm. But you also then have Palestinians who live in Israel who, who are descendants of the Arabs who moved in after the diaspora, after the Jews kind of, uh, after Jews left, after the fall of uh, Jerusalem, after Rome came in, conquered them. And um, and they all fled, uh, and then um, and then actually, who moved in was the Muslims. Uh, the Arabs were also Muslim. Uh, the the uh, Muslims came in and kind of lived in the Holy Land for many years, also. Um, and then um, and then some of those Palestinians are also Christians. The Christian population in the Holy Land is diminished to about um, two or three percent okay. of all the people there, so it's minimal. Yeah. It's minimal. Now, now the Gaza Strip that we hear about all the time on the news, the Gaza Strip is. Um, I'm, I'm thinking it's something like what ten square miles or something I like don't that. Know, I don't. I bet I could smartphone it. Yeah, smartphone it real quick. <laughs> um, and and I was doing comparisons. So like Ellis County is about forty by forty, right? And uh, and if you, uh, that's about the size of the counties in Western Kansas. Forty by forty is is uh, would be sixteen hundred square miles, and I want to say the Gaza Strip is something like it's like ten square miles. It's it's tiny, and uh, and in in Ellis County you have about thirty thousand people. In this small area, in this small square miles of of space, you have over a million people. It's like a million and a half people to two million people. And so you have yeah. It. As I'm looking it up, it says the Gaza Strip is forty one kilometers, so twenty five miles long. And um, it's like and it's only like five miles wide, or six to twelve kilometers wide. Yeah. yeah. And so two mi- two million Palestinians on approximately one hundred and forty one square miles of land. So one hundred and forty square miles of land, and Ellis County is like sixteen hundred square miles. <laughs> wow. And uh, and and you have thirty thousand people in Ellis County, whereas there are two million people in the, in that tiny space. And, wow. and, and and what Israel did when they came in 2000, I was looking at the history, in 2003, they built a wall. They built a wall to keep them in. Okay. And so there's a wall. They literally can't, the, what, they are literally trapped in this space. The, uh, the Palestinians are trapped in this space in Gaza because the Mediterranean Sea is one side and the wall surrounds them. Okay. And Israel built this wall. So the Palestinians, if they work, want to work in, in Israel, they have to cross through a gate in this wall that is governed by Israel military police. Okay. And so, uh, so the day after the bomb, or right, right before I left, we heard of there were some scuffles between uh, the Israeli uh, army and, uh, and the Palestinian army or the Hamas. I've, Hamas. So also it's good to know that Hamas is the ruling body of, of, of Gaza. Okay. And um, um, and so and so Hamas was voted in as the ruling body who the United States determines as a, as a terrorist group. Uh-huh. Um, they see him as a ruling body, a military ruling body uh-huh. and uh, <clears throat> a governing body. But uh, 
So there was a scuffle between them and Israel before I left, and Israel just shut down the gate. And there's 18,000 people that come from Gaza into Israel to work, and they just said, Oh, wow. Now you can't come in. You're not coming in. You're not coming in. So, uh, so and, and our guide, who, like I said, was Palestinian, was Arab, he didn't have a lot of nice things to say about, <laughs> about the Jewish government. Uh, yeah, and I say Jewish because it, it was Jews who were running the government in Israel. So I guess you could call it the Israeli government. We'll call it that. Okay. That's probably yeah. the better term. He didn't have a lot of nice things to say about them because they actually were persecuting the Palestinians. So they, they randomly knock on people's doors and they search people's homes. And they drag people out in the street and then they imprison them without trials. Um, so this is what the Israeli government does to the Palestinians. I mean, they probably do it because they, they think that they are terrorists. And so they're trying to protect themselves from terrorist uh-huh. uh, attacks again. Um, so it, it's extremely complicated, very, very complicated. And then we also have to realize that, that the Jewish people and the Muslim people don't have the, um, don't have the Christian understanding that we have, where uh, Jesus comes and ta- teaches us to turn the other cheek. He, t- he teaches us about love. He teaches us about mercy. Well, if you look at uh, the Jewish tradition, in the Jewish tradition and, the, and their understanding, it's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So if you do something to me, I'm going to do it back to you. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the Islam understanding is, is the, the old school understanding too, which would be the Old, old Testament understanding of, of how to deal with people. It's the same thing. It's yeah. an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And, and Israel has, is, uh, excuse me, um, Muslim, the Islam, Islam wants to conquer. And, uh, and, and so you've got Islam who wants to fight for uh, a space. You've got uh, Israel who wants to fight for a space, yeah. which is the Temple Mount. Ultimately, yeah. they all see it as important. They all want the Temple Mount. And they want to be in control of the Temple Mount. And so there's this constant, constant tension that exists between these groups yeah. through, throughout, throughout Israel. And it, it's constantly there. So when I was there, I was there from September 4th to September uh, 20th. We flew back out on the 20th. Uh, my, my, some of my group came back earlier, myself and uh, Father Scott Bailey, a friend of mine. We stayed for an extra week and did a retreat in Nazareth. Um, we didn't, we didn't, ex- we could see and feel the tension, uh-huh. uh, but we never experienced it. And what I mean by that is other groups that have been there said when they're on their tourist buses, they'd be stopped in certain places when they're passing between um, uh, the West Bank and, uh, and back into Israel. And I'll get back about that division here in a second. Okay. Um, but, but they would get stopped, and, and the uh, military would come on and search their bus, and they'd run mirrors underneath their bus to make sure there are no bombs on it. They'd come onto the bus to make sure there was no stowaways on the bus who were, who were bombers. Um, so there, and this is, this is what people before us had, had experienced. We didn't experience that. Okay. When we passed through the gates, our Palestinian drive, bus driver, who was a Catholic, and our guide, who was a Catholic, they were Palestinian Arabs. Who, uh, when, when we got to the border, you know, they were up talking most of the whole uh-huh. time. When, when we got to the border and we were passing back and forth, they would sit down and kind of be very, very calm and not make any sudden movements or anything like that. Because they understood that if they did anything, um, they'd immediately be stopped and we'd be searched. And, uh, and they might even be drug off the bus. Wow. Um, and they understood that. Wow. So, so that's the constant tension in which these people live in, yeah, okay. which we don't understand. No kidding. Wow. That is, that, that's a, definitely a lot of good stuff for us to, to first take in and start thinking about 
um, because it can be very easy to um, jump on one side or the other really quickly without knowing a lot of the yeah. context that is behind it. We are talking with Father Brian Lager about the conflict in Israel. Father, back so, to you. Yeah, so let's let's back up to history, and uh, we get this history from the Bible, uh, If and so we get in the story of Israel. Remember that God has chosen Israel uh, to be a specific people that's meant to go out to the world, and, and the way that I see it, they're meant to evangelize the world, yeah. and, uh, and that, that was the whole purpose that God chose one people to do that. And so in many ways, we as Catholics are called to be the new Israel, or yeah. to go out into the world and to bring others to know Christ in that way. But so we go back to this is before Christ. So in the 13th century before Christ, um, we remember that, that God goes to Abraham. Abraham actually moves his family into the Holy Land. That's where God calls him to. And he goes into what is today the Holy Land. He moved from the land of Ur, which, uh, which the Ur land of Chaldeans, which also then I think becomes Babylon, if I remember correctly. Um, I don't so. quote me it's on that. that. I'm terrible <laughs> don't, at don't geography. Quote me on that. And so all those areas. <laughs> but uh, but he, he actually is the first one to go, in, go into the land. And then because of the famine, they go, in, they go into Egypt. So Jake, so Abraham's son, Isaac, Isaac has Jacob, uh, and Jacob has 12 sons. Yeah. And those are become the 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, during, during the tw- time of the 12, 12 tribes of Israel, we know the story of Joseph. Uh, Joseph's brothers sell him into slavery, sell him into the traders. The traders take him to Egypt. And Joseph becomes, um, he, he's an interpreter of dreams. And so he's actually put into Pharaoh's service. And so... By the misfortune and the suffering that happens to Joseph, he actually then saves all of the people of Israel and actually the whole, the whole area, the be- whole world in that part. In yeah. that part, because yeah. because of his wisdom and the visions that he has to to save during the times of plenty, so they can survive during the times of nothing, during the times of famine. Yeah. So uh, Joseph's brothers, uh, Jacob's sons, go to Egypt. And, uh, and you can go read the story of Joseph and, and Jacob's sons in the Bible. But they go to Egypt to be saved from the famine. Eventually what happens is there's a pharaoh, and the way the Bible reads, there's a famine, uh, pharaoh who no longer knows Joseph. And he takes the Israelite people and puts them into slavery. It's the Israelite people who then are the builders of, of all the stuff in Egypt. And, and when Egypt is the world power in that area, uh, it's Israel who's doing, all, who's doing the work as slaves. So, the, so this is where Moses comes in. And so in the 13th century, they go there, Moses, Moses, we know the story of Moses, Moses' mom puts him in the water, Pharaoh's daughter picks him up um, out of the water, Moses chosen to lead God's people out of slavery in Egypt, back to the promised land, back to the, the land that, that God has promised them. That's why it's called the promised land. <laughs> and so, yes, it is. And so, and I love how you just summed up the, the story of the, so quickly. the Hebrew people. <laughs> That's right. In like so two minutes. Quickly. It's got to get through it, right? Yeah, we absolutely. Have an hour. Uh, we do. We don't have nine weeks. We to do go not. over this. Or twenty-three, if you want. If it was yes, the exactly. Great Adventure Bible Study timeline, right? Twenty-three weeks. Um, so then, uh, then in around uh, around a, a thousand BC, ten twenty BC, uh, Saul becomes the first king of Israel. Uh, in the 1000 BC, uh, Jerusalem is made the capital of David's kingdom. So remember the story of Saul. Saul falls out of favor with God. Uh, David becomes the king. David is anointed king. Uh, and then in that, in the time of David, he builds the, uh, excuse me, he does not build the temple. Solomon does. Yeah. Uh, David builds his own house. Uh, David then dies. Solomon comes into power, the son of, son of David. 
the, the son of Bathsheba. It's Solomon who has chosen to build a temple. He builds a glorious temple, uh, a worthy temple to worship God, to offer sacrifice to God. And that happens around 960 B.C. In nine, it's funny how close these events uh, are together. In, uh, in 930 B.C., so in that, in that time period somewhere, Solomon dies. Solomon's son comes into power, uh, Rehoboam, yeah. if I remember correctly. Yep. Rehoboam comes into power. Rehoboam it becomes a tyrant, taxes the people uh, so much that, that the, northern king, uh, the northern tribes separate. And so yeah. the separation of Israel becomes the two tribes in the south, Judah and Benjamin, basically. And then the northern ten tribes uh, set themselves up up against uh, the southern tribes. Um, and th- this is where you get the name Jew then. The, the southern tribes yeah. are Judah and Benjamin. They become, become shortened to Jews. That's where we get the name Jew. And, uh, and then in 722, the northern tribes are taken into captivity. They're, they're, they're destroyed by the Assyrians. Um, they're, taken in, they're taken into exile. And this is when the northern tribes begin to be known as Samaritans. Um, not quite yet, but eventually it happens. There's five different five different nations that conquer that north the northern tribes, and they intermarry five different with five different nations, and and they become they kind of lose their Jewish their Israelite yeah. heritage. It gets to be so mixed with the other nations that then they establish their own place of worship, their own center of economy, their own uh, center for government governance in Samaria. So they become the Samaritans. Uh, the people that the Jews hate, and the Jews hate them because of their intermarrying. 586, uh, the southern kingdoms fall uh, to Babylon, and, uh, and, and then the Jews are taken into exile. This is where things start to get crazy. So th- this is what we call the, then after, then in 538 to 142, begins what we call the second temple period. So the Babylonians destroyed the temple that Solomon built. So the temple only stood for less than 500, 400 years. And um, and when uh, when actually, uh, gosh, who's the who's the nation that comes? King Cyrus, who's uh, the king of? Uh, oh, doggone it! Yeah, there's there's two of them that are generally put together. Two yeah. kingdoms that. Um, yep. But it's King, it's king uh, Cyrus who allows the Jews yeah. to go back and and actually helps them helps to pay for the rebuilding of the temple. Yeah. And so we uh, Ezra and Nehemiah are the are the two people that are associated with the building of what's called the second temple. Um, they're allowed to go back, build the walls around Jerusalem, rebuild the temple. Uh, and, then, um, and then in 332, uh, King Cyrus, who... Oh, Persia. He was the king of Persia. Yes, That's right thank there. you. Um, and then uh, Alexander the Great comes in. Alexander the Great, king of uh, the Greeks, begins the Hellenistic period and conquers Persia. Uh, he he then is king over Israel also, or king king over the Jews as well. So we have to remember that basically Israel is lost at this point. The northern tribes are lost at this point. The only thing that is really kept in the history, kept in, in scripture, is just the southern kingdoms for the most part. Now the prophets that come in, the prophets speak to the north. There's the pro- some prophets that speak to the northern kingdoms. There's some prophets that speak to the southern kingdoms. Most of the northern kingdoms, God is still trying to gather back in, um, and so that's why he sends the prophets to them. But at this point, they've really intermarried a lot, yeah. and, uh, and God's saying, no, please be faithful, but um, they often don't. And so even though God still desires them, wants them. So then, then we get, uh, we, we remember the, the, the Jews who begin to want to fit in with, with the Greeks, and so we hear the stories in, in the Maccabees. 
who, uh, when they cover their marks of circumcision, which always blows my mind, how do you cover your marks of circumcision? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Me too. Not a radio topic. Uh, we're yeah. <laughs> we're not we'll going there. And, uh, <laughs> but you have the Maccabean Revolt again against the Greeks, uh, against the Hellenists, uh, which begins the Hasmonean Hasmonean dynasty. There you go. And that only exists for uh, a a few years, 20, 30 years, until basically all the Maccabeans die. Um, And then the Jews kind of fall back into the the common uh, people. And then in 63, Rome comes to rule. Rome conquers them, and they begin to be ruled by, by Rome. So that's Old Testament. Then, of course, we know the time of Jesus. After the time of Jesus, I think, is the history that people forget about. I think a lot of us know the Old Testament. We don't necessarily know the New Testament, which I had to look up because I didn't even know it. So then from uh, Jesus dies in 33, in 66 AD, uh, the Jews revolt against the Romans. uh, And that's when the Romans come in, destroy the temple and said, we're not going to have this revolt again. They destroy uh, all of Jerusalem, destroy the walls, destroy all of Jerusalem. So much so that when you go when you go to Israel today, there is not a stone upon stone at all in that temple. Wow. Um, so when you when you see pictures of the Wailing Wall, uh-huh. the Wailing Wall is a uh, um, it's a wall, it's a retaining wall basically that uh, Herod built. So in in the Second Temple period, when when Ezra and Nehemiah rebuilt the temple, it was actually pretty small. Uh-huh. When Herod came in, Herod began was a uh, was a puppet king yeah. uh, under. Uh, under, gosh, under Rome, he wanted to build the temple back up. Rome let him do it, and it actually began, they talk about Herod's temple being compared to Solomon's and even bigger and better than Solomon's. And so Herod wanted to make a name for himself mm-hmm. by doing that. So he builds a retaining wall, and, and it, J- Jerusalem's on hills everywhere. And so you have to build retaining walls to hold stuff up. So he builds this humongous retaining wall to hold up all the dirt so that he can build the new temple on top of that. So what's left, when you see pictures of the Wailing Wall today, uh-huh. it's the western wall uh, that would have been closest to the Holy of Holies, which the Ark of the Covenant was gone. Yeah. But it was closest to the backside of the temple Okay. because the temple faced east. So when people go there to pray, it's the, re- it's the remains of, of the wall that Herod built that actually was in existence all the way in Jesus' time. And some of that might have even been older. Uh, it's, it's hard to know. Yeah. So, um, wow. so anyway, so yes, yeah, so the destruction of Jerusalem, Second Temple. Um, and then at Masada is where the Jews had the last stand against Rome, which, of course, they, were, uh, they did not win. Um, in 313 uh, begins to be the Byzantine rule. I can never remember who the Byzantines are, so don't ask me. So <laughs> I just forget. And then, um, <clears throat> and then in 614, the Persians come back, and the Persians uh, rule. And remember, the Persians were Turkey, mm-hmm. so they were Muslim. And this is where uh, the Muslims begin to come in. Or they were Arabic, they were Muslims. This is where they begin to come in. Okay. And, uh, and so then Jerusalem is ruled by the Muslims from... Uh, 691, oh, this is, in, this is important. In 691, the Arabs built the Dome of the Rock on the Temple Mount. Okay, which is still there still today. Still there today. And that's where their Correct. main holy site. Correct. And, okay. and, and, and our guide, it is, it's a very holy site, but it's not a mosque. Like we were told over and over and over, that the Dome of the Rock is not a mosque. I always okay. thought, I thought it was a mosque. They're yeah, like, it's not, not a mosque, not a mosque, not a mosque. There is a mock, mosque on the Temple Mount okay. to the, uh, be to the uh, south of uh, of of the Dome of the Rock, and so that mosque is the one of the most important mosques 
in the world okay. because it's right there on the near, oh. near the Dome of the Rock. Gotcha. The funny thing about them saying it's not a mo- the Dome of the Rock not being a mosque, if you're not a Muslim, you can't go in. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> well, I like that. <laughs> yeah. And the other interesting thing about the, the, dome, uh, about the Temple Mount is that because the Israeli's government govern it, they're the, ones, they're, they, they're the ones that police it. And so there's a mosque up there. And so for the Muslims, but it's also a holy site for the Israelis. So if a Muslim wow. wants to come up there, you've got Israel police that are governing it. And so <laughs> who are Jews. Cow. So imagine yeah. that tension. When that when that comes up there, no kidding. Yeah, extremely, extremely, extremely difficult. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, but then you've got Muslims who are governing the dome. You got Muslims and Muslim police at the Dome of the Rock, governing who comes in and out. Holy cow! Yeah, yeah. yeah what a confusing mess. This is this is the tension. And so our guide said that sometimes faithful Jews would come up to the Temple Mount and purposefully cause uh, issues. Okay. Um, to get into fights, uh, verbal uh-huh. fights, even fist fights, um, up on the Temple Mount because of two different. Big religions uh, vying for the same territory, yeah. the same area. Wow. So the importance of the Dome of the Rock is that the Dome of the Rock sits over what is believed to be the rock upon which uh, Abraham, Abraham would have sacrificed yeah. Isaac yeah. or when it was going to sacrifice Isaac. And so there's a bunch of um, traditions about that that specific rock and about yeah. that specific area. And that's why that place is so important to Jews, Christians, and Muslims. So, wow. We need to take a short break right now, but don't change that dial. The Conflict in Israel with Father Brian Lager will be right back here on Divine Mercy Radio. We're back on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture on Divine Mercy Radio. The Conflict in Israel. Father Brian Lager. Cody Marincer conducts the interview. We're um, on talking with uh, Father Brian Lager. Uh, Both of us put out that um, we have a disclaimer that neither of us are... um, perfect at this. Neither of us are scholars at this. We're just sitting here talking about it because it is very important. And Father Brian's giving us some background on the people who live there, their background, and their understanding of why they have a right to this land. Um, And so then we're going to continue on there um, with uh, where we left off talking about, um, you know, the the Dome of the Rock, um, the importance to um, the uh, Muslim people for that, and then also the importance of that exact same spot um, to the Jewish people. So take it away, Father. So we left off with the Arabs ruling in uh, about from 636 to 1099, and this is where things get a little bit complicated because the Arabs are ruling, but I would, I mean, the Arabs are basically everybody in the Middle East is my understanding, or that's what we call them. Okay. Um, so who the Arabs consisted of, that's, that's I actually don't know. Um, but it, the, I mean, so the Dome of the Rock was, it was instructed to be built by uh, Khalif uh, Abdel Malik, and uh, so anyway... So the Arabs were ruling. So this is this is where then the Crusades come in. So the uh, Arabs were also uh, many times uh, Muslim, and so Christians were being harassed as they were coming into the Holy Land to uh, to worship at the sites that, that Jesus walked and, the, and in which Jesus was crucified, died, and was buried. And so uh, and so the, the reason that the Crusades happened was to protect those sites. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, uh, and, and you can read about the Crusades. Uh, there's four Crusades. Uh, from my short reading last night, the first one was the most successful. The rest of them were not so successful. Okay. And so, um, and there is a lot that people get wrong in those. And so, yeah, yeah I would say get a good resource um, to read about it because it's not like everybody was squeaky clean or oh, that not. everybody was completely evil. Um, but but you would. We There's do a ourselves of, a disservice yeah. if we just listen to the sound bites of right. like the media yeah, out there. Absolutely. And so, yeah, definitely find a good resource to go um, and read about it because it is an important part of history. It is. And so. I don't even know. Do you know a good resource? I don't. Well, so, so there, you know, one of the resources, um, it may just be, you know, we have the Didache series. Um, it, it's more of a um, textbook, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. um, but you could go and look up probably. Um, I'm thinking, um, you know, Dr. Scott Hahn or someone like that may have put something out. I would maybe go to Catholic Answers, type something in there, and they, that may lead you to some yeah, they always I always go there for answers, yep. too. Uh, Jonathan Reyes, who works for the Knights of Columbus now, has helped found their core that they're doing now, which is uh, the Knights of Columbus are doing, uh, trying to turn kind of the Knights of Columbus from being kind of just an insurance group. They're trying uh-huh. to actually be an evangelization yeah. group of men. So they've created this core, which is meant to be Bible studies for men uh, in order to help them in their faith, to know their faith, to evangelize. And so Jonathan Reyes helped, awesome. helped develop that. But my, if I remember correctly, he worked for Focus for a time. He's done lots of things. He, but I believe that his doctorate uh, was is was in history. I believe that he wrote his doctoral dissertation on the Crusades. Oh, wow. I've never seen that dissertation. Um so, but but I'm. But it might be something. To it would be. Go it, to look he, up. He's a good man, uh, solid man. It'd be if you could find it. I don't know yeah. if you can even find it. It'd be. It'd be probably be a good text to to read. So okay. Uh, you know, just a quick story about this is about the radio station, not about me sure. or anything else. So, quick story. I was uh, for the first time in my priesthood. I actually had someone in the confessional, and obviously I couldn't tell you who it was. I don't even know who it was. Yeah. Who came to my confessional because of the radio station? So oh, awesome. uh, they said, uh, I was listening to the Catholic radio station and uh, just made me realize I need to make a good confession. Boom. And so uh, I was like, that's awesome. That's fantastic. So, Thank you for sharing that. Uh, in f- from 1517 to 1917, so for 400 years, the Ottomans ruled the Holy Land. And, um, and then with World War I, uh, the Jews who had dispersed throughout the world, uh, uh, with kind of the world falling apart during World War One, World War One history is messy. I don't know if you've ever done any research on it. I suggest anyone that wants to, uh, the World War One Museum in Kansas City is phenomenal. It's it's awesome. If you've never been, highly suggest it. I learned so much uh, about what World War One was all about uh-huh. that it wasn't cut and dry. Kind of we think about World War Two being pretty cut and dry, uh, good and evil. Uh, genocide, not genocide, yeah. <laughs> and we knew we knew who it was. Uh, with with World War One, it wasn't that easy. Um, it was it was a mess. So uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, World War One was was crazy. Um, so then um, let's see. It, in 1882 to 1903, uh, the large scale immigration, mainly from Russia, uh, this history says, of the Jewish people back to back to the whole back to Israel. 1891. This this is Zionists. Zionists are those who uh, want to reestablish uh, Jerusalem, rebuild the temple, uh, reestablish the Israel re- state. Yeah, you bet. I mean, reestablish the Israel yes. state as it was under David, yeah. uh, under Solomon. You bet. 
Uh, so then in uh, let's see, we can skip. Then in, in 1970, in 1917, with World War One, uh, the Ottomans were uh, overtaken by the British. So the British were then in control of the Holy Land uh, of, of Israel. And then uh, in from 1918 to 1948, the British the British ruled. Then in 1948 was the reestablishment as Israel as a nation state, and uh, that was through after World War II. Um, and the treaties that all took place after World War II and the forming, I think that after that, the forming of the UN, did that happen know. after that? Okay, don't quote me on that. That's, <laughs> that's probably wrong. Uh, at some point after that, the powers that be, uh, League of, the League of Nations, there you go, that's what it says here. The League of Nations came together and, uh, and decided to reestablish the, the nation state of Israel. Now you have to realize that these Arabs, Palestinians, have been living in this land yeah. for 1,700 years. Okay. They were living here longer than these Jews. <laughs> so, so this is why they, claim, they lay claim to this, okay. uh, because they had been living there since, uh, since the 600s. Okay. And uh, from the 600 to 1948, that's well, 1,300 years at least, if not longer. Uh, the Jews had only been living there um, from about 1,000 B.C. Of course, it goes back to Abraham, but, but as, as the establishment of Jerusalem as their, as, and, and their kingdom, really under Saul in about 1020 um, until the time of Jesus. So really only about 1,000 years, and then Rome ruled them, and then yeah. when they revolted, uh, Rome kind of took power. Then Rome was taken over. So, yeah. so to say that the Jews have been there, the reality is that the Jews have been there not as long as the, the Palestinians and Arabs. And so... Uh, so if you're talking, yeah, total time. Yeah. Now back, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah if, so if you, go, if you can go back to Abraham, but, yeah. but there was, before Abraham was the Canaanites yeah, and, and, exactly. all the, and all the, you know, you, get, you can get all the names uh, yeah. in the Old Testament. And so, so yeah, this is the land gotcha. that God gave them, but they were disobedient yeah. and they lost the land. Um, even even when they moved into the promised land, what did God tell Israel to do? Yeah, to drive them out. To drive them out, get rid of them. Why? Because they would they would be instead would of evangelizing them, they would be evangelized by yeah. the pagans, and they they failed to do that. And God kind of said, ah, "Fine." <laughs> <laughs> so you could hear God sigh, ah. and uh, and and they didn't do it. And so so th- this is why things are very very complicated. Yeah. For for the for the. League of Nations for the world powers to come together and say, okay, we're going to reestablish Israel as a nation state mm-hmm. in a place where the Jews haven't lived for a long time. And what they did is all of these Jews, of course, the Jews were being killed in Poland and, and Germany and stuff. So they yeah. were trying to get out as quickly as they could during World War II and before World War II. Yeah. And they were, coming back, they were coming back to Israel. and um, But they were coming back to the place that their people hadn't lived in in a long, long time. Yeah. And, uh, and so it's really difficult. To then then put these powers together. Okay. So so now today now you have the Gaza Strip, which we talked about the Gaza Strip, but yeah. now we also have the West Bank. Uh, the West Bank, interestingly enough, uh, the line of the West Bank actually runs to the middle of Jerusalem. Okay. <laughs> and uh, Bethlehem is actually in the West Bank. Okay. And so the West Bank was under Jordanian rule until 1967, uh, uh, the Six Days War. And after the Six Days War, Israel defeated the Jordanians and then overtook the West Bank. But in defeating uh, the Jordanians and making treaties with the Jordanians, um, they said, uh, my understanding, our tour guide said, there was, a, there was an agreement that they would not 
make build anything new in the West Bank. The, Israel would not advance their kingdom any bigger into the West Bank, and that Jordan Jordan could still, in a, in a sense, not necessarily govern it. Yeah. But uh, but Israel wouldn't take it over. Okay. Well, as our guide pointed out, he points up on the hill. He's like, "See all that? That's new builds." <laughs> There's a ton of new building going on. Uh-huh. I mean, there, there's no other place to live, no other place to be. And so they're building all these things because they, they need the space. Um, but they made the promise. to they, they were in a treaty with, with Jordan and Palestine that they wouldn't do that. So part of the reason the, the Palestinians keep you know, attacking is because um, well, all the tension, the hundreds and thousands of years of tension and, and fighting that has been going on, and they constantly are going back and forth. And uh, but also just the personal attacks. Uh, we had a cab driver. So when Father Scott and I were uh, all of the rest of our group flew back to the United States after Jerusalem, we went back up north to Nazareth in order to uh, um, go on retreat. And I, we had a cab driver that drove us. And just talking to him, he uh, he said that he had gone down to Jerusalem to visit some friends, and he had a back an overnight bag. And when he got to Jerusalem, he was attacked by the Israeli police. And they took his bag, took all of his stuff out of his bag, and threw it all over the street, purely because he was a 20-some-year-old Arab. That's the only reason they did it, and, uh, and because he had a backpack. They were looking for a bomb, of course, um, but it's just like just because he looked like he did and he had a backpack and he was young, they just kind of attacked him. Yeah, so there's so, lots of tension. So this is the tension. This is the, this is the tension, constant, constant tension. So uh, one of the amazing things about our trip to Israel, and I'll kind of go on to our trip of Israel because I think the conflict is the conflict and it's complicated. Uh, yeah, we, it's a mess. We don't understand wow. it. We don't understand the feelings. We don't understand. As Americans, you know, we, we've lived in our country for over 200 years, um, and our country's humongous. Uh, we're not yeah. fighting over a space. Like Israel, the nation of Israel, it's like the size of Connecticut maybe. It's tiny. Um, and... Um, and so we, we just don't understand we just don't understand the deep feelings yeah. of anger against another uh, another state. Well yeah, and we're not we're also not fighting I mean <laughs> you know, obviously Canada is not threatening us. And so no. all of our other threats, you know, that would come from our borders are really across to, seas mostly, that's right. you know, and that's right. We're not we're not bumping so, up borders and yeah. Yeah, so it, I, right. that's that is really hard for us to understand because it Absolutely. would be more like if um, Kansas and Nebraska it would. were in a battle. Correct. You know, and in constant tension and That's not right. just over football. That's right. <laughs> you know, so. Right. Wow. All right. We're on talking with uh, Father Brian Logger. Um, we've been talking about um, the tensions and everything um, in the um, conflict over um, in the Israel area. Um, and, and we're going to then move on a little bit to um, what were you wanting yeah. to kind of go from there? Because there's only so much we can say about the tension <laughs> without we, yeah. having lived there and know. Yeah, I, I think I think just to say about the conflict, I, I don't think as Americans we can fully understand it, and and for the United States government to get involved, um, it's it's I know that Israel is our ally, and so uh, as a political state, um, and so that's I mean obviously we have to we have to be on the side of our allies, right? Mm-hmm. Israel is extremely important to us for that reason. I'm sure there's lots of monetary reasons that we're an ally with Israel, and um, probably a technological thing. I mean, just just looking at uh, just watching the videos of of just the bombs and uh, what what's their defense system? 
Oh, that yeah, like that Iron Dome. <laughs> the Iron Dome. If you watch, if you watch the videos of, uh-huh. of the Iron yeah. Dome working, no, it's incredible. Is it? Oh my gosh, it it just searches them out, and and so this is why the announcement of them shooting the initial attack was like five thousand missiles that uh, Pal- uh, the Gaza Strip shot it at. Uh, Israel and and you don't hear any no, uh, news reports of like all of them hitting Israel. Uh-huh. Well, it's because they have this defense system okay. that just finds them and knocks them out of the sky. Oh wow! And so only so like of the like five thousand they shot off, only a few actually made it to the land. Okay, wow! <laughs> and, it's, and you see that you see these uh, guns. And it's just like holy cow! Holy um, it's crazy. it's it's an incredible technological uh, defense system that they that they have. Okay, and so that's I mean there's probably that's one of the reasons that Americans probably allies with them. I'm assuming I have no idea. I don't know. Either. Like I said. I'm not an expert, and I yeah. don't even claim to be. Yeah. And me somebody, neither. Somebody might chew me out for saying what I've said, and I'm just like, I'm sorry, I'm just ignorant about this. And so <laughs> me too. <laughs> but uh, so I think I think I think the most important thing. So that's all about the conflict. But the trip, uh, our trip to the Holy Land. I think when I was there, you're kind of you're standing there, or you're sitting there, you're kneeling there, and you're just like. This is insane. I'm actually I'm actually in the spot where Jesus died. I am uh, oh, wow. in the spot where Jesus rose from the dead, where I'm in the spot where the angel Gabriel spoke to Mary, and and it's, and you're just kind of there, and and you know I'm I'm not an emotional guy, um and uh, but it, I was there and I was just like, this is awesome, and it didn't really hit me until I got home. I was like, like looking at the back of the pictures, I was like, I was I was I in was that there. spot. <laughs> I was in that spot. Like my hands touched the spot where Jesus was laid after he after he died. Holy cow. After you know, after they put him in the tomb, my hand was on the rock uh, where the where the cross stood when he died, and and the and the thing that people don't realize because I didn't realize this until I was there. The spot where he was buried and the spot that he was crucified was less than fifty yards apart. They're in the same church. No way. They're in the same church. Well, I didn't know that either. <laughs> and so it, it, you know, the the crucifixion happens up on Mount Calvary, but his burial spot was just down. Down, just b- down below the hill. it, yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness! And so to give up to the cru- to the crucifixion spot, you climb these stairs and and you go up there and it's uh, decorated beautifully. Um, the Orthodox. Uh, this is another thing to talk about, but uh, and you you can actually put your hand in the hole um, and you put your hand down in, in this hole and it touches the rock where, where the cross where they okay. believe the cross would would have been. And so, but th- this is the crazy thing also about being in Jerusalem is is the most religious place I've ever been. And and I say that because you've got the Jews, who yeah. are who are all in their traditional garb. To the men, you see the men wearing their phylacteries and their tassels. Oh yeah! Um, wow. Uh, the tassel and the so when we were at the Wailing Wall, one of the beautiful things about the Wailing Wall, number one, I had seen some videos of of priests and Christians kind of not accepted at the Wailing Wall and even priests being spit on, uh-huh. and so I was a little bit hesitant. We, we experienced none of that. Um, maybe some looks. But uh, but nothing, um, as long as we were reverent and you know respectful, I think yeah. it was okay. But but remember the phylacteries are the things they tie around their arm mm-hmm. that have the word of God in, in the box, and they tie it around their head yeah. as well. And so you know Jesus accuses the Pharisees of of, of widening their phylacteries and lengthening <laughs> their, their tassels, tassels right? Yeah. So you so you you see all that, and then you see the the men dressed in black uh, with their with their top hats. Um, or uh, there's this other weird hat that I'd never seen before, and I don't even know what it is. I don't even know how to look it up to find out what it is. But it's this weird uh, round hat that was flat on top, but it was like this wide, and just went around their head. 
I don't know what it was. But no but idea. you see him walking around Jerusalem. And so you got the the rabbis and the Jews walking around in their in their traditional dress. You got the Muslims in their traditional dress. And then you have the Orthodox priests who are in, in their traditional uh, garments. Wow. And, you've, and you've got the Franciscans who also run the, the Latin Rite, holy sites. Um, and then you've got the uh, Armenians who, who also, run, also run the sites. And so in, in the, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which has the, the place where Jesus was crucified and the place he was buried and where he rose from the dead, you have three different religious groups that are vying for the same spot to have control over it. So you've got the Orthodox um, I have the Greek Orthodox, and you have the Arminians, and then you have the Latin Catholics. Wow! And so, uh, so, so there's even this tension amongst the Christian religious groups, yeah, su- such that if anything, any sort of construction or anything is going to happen, they all have to agree, and they don't agree very often. And so, really? so they often fight. They like they even told the story about one of one of the people who was just sweeping the floor, and they they crossed the line and how the other group got upset with them because they crossed the line because that wasn't their area to do it. Oh my. So there's, there's this historical uh, story about this. There's a ladder on the outside of the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Somebody went up to do some maintenance, forgot the ladder, left it up there. And, and so the three groups gathered and they said, well, who put the ladder up there? And nobody really knew. And, and so then the question was, well, who, who's supposed to remove it? Um, and they couldn't agree who was supposed to remove it, the, the three groups. And so the latter has been there for like a thousand years because they couldn't agree uh, who, who should move wow. it. It's not a thousand, probably like 400. So the, the Church of the Holy Sepulchers, I think, uh, the, I think they said it was built in the 1700s uh, just because there's been so much fighting there. Things have been destroyed, and they've had to go back and rebuild them. Okay. Um, and so, uh, so yeah. So the churches, the churches aren't ancient for that reason, uh-huh. um, but they're magnificent and the holiest sites on earth. And uh, and being in those places, walking those places, was one of the most uh, amazing experiences of my life. Okay. Uh, being on the Sea of Galilee. So we we actually went out on a boat on the Sea of Galilee. Yeah. And and we were just kind of sitting there, and the waters just. And, and uh, the, it's, just, it's just making the waves, and the boat's just going up and down. And if you get, if you get seasick, you're going to get seasick on this. <laughs> but, but they talked about just the, the weather there, and they said the reason that these storms would come up is because what they call mountains, what we would call hills, the, 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 the air just comes over the mountains and hits the sea and just causes these huge waves. Okay. And, uh, and so, and so the, for the, uh, the fact the apostles are out on the sea and a storm suddenly comes up, it's, it's very possible just because a change shift in wind uh-huh. if you just hit the sea. And when Jesus comes out uh, and calm, calms the storm, uh, you, 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 you can see why, why that's the case. Um, and so just being on the Sea of Galilee, knowing where he instituted the Eucharist, like we were in the upper room. And it's just like this is where he instituted the Eucharist. This is where the Holy Spirit came. Um, we were, you know, putting your hands on the sites, and and it's some of the easiest homilies I've ever uh, I've ever given because we we were in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, and I got to be the main celebrant that day. So oh that no means way! I also preach, and and I and I'm just standing, and the place, the chapel where we celebrated Mass that day, um, was just to the to the left to the right of the Holy Sepulchre, about 20 yards, and I just looked at the people and I said, over there. That right there is literally the reason that we are here. Like we wouldn't, we wouldn't come to this place if it wasn't for the fact that that's where Jesus rose from the dead. Wow! Um, and you walk, awesome. and you walk out, and it's right there, and you're just like, "Holy cow!" No kidding. Um, 
So also, also we uh, so Father Scott went with us, but Father Tony Stevens, who's from my home parish, he also went with us, and um, he and I. Uh, so our group was so big that our group was kind of split up. But he went with us, and one night we went from our hotel. Actually, it wasn't a hotel; it was an old convent that is now a place for people to stay when they when they come to visit uh, the Holy Land. But uh, he and I walked back to the Holy Sepulchre in the evening. The lines were short. Um, you actually got in quickly. You could actually go into the sites and actually spend time in there. Nice. Because normally you get 10 seconds. Yeah. Actually, less than 10 seconds. You go in, touch it, and you're out. And they keep the line moving. Excuse me. Uh, but uh, but that night, we got to go in. We got to put our hands on the spot, and they let us in there for about a minute um, just just to be there. Um, and the, so then we went back outside of it, and we just sat down, and we're like, it doesn't close for like an hour. So we prayed a holy hour right there just outside of the, oh, awesome. outside of the tomb. And outside of the place of the wow. resurrection, and uh, and just to see that, and just to be there, um, one of the That's things fantastic. that I remember forever. So awesome. Yeah. Um, and we're going to ask Father Brian if he would lead us in prayer and his priestly blessing to uh, close us out this hour. In the name of the Father and of the, the Son, Son and of the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, you are the true King of Peace. In you alone is found freedom. Please free our world from conflict. Bring unity to troubled nations. Let your glorious peace reign in every heart. Dispel all darkness and evil. Protect the dignity of every human life. Replace hatred with your love. Give wisdom to world leaders. Free them from selfish ambition. Eliminate all violence and war. Glorious Virgin Mary, St. Michael the Archangel, every angel and saint, please pray for peace. Pray for unity amongst nations. Pray for unity amongst all people. Pray for the most vulnerable. Pray for, for those suffering. Pray for the fearful. Pray for those most in need. Pray for us all. Jesus, Son of the living God, have mercy on us. Jesus, hear our prayers. Jesus, I trust in you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy, Holy spirit. spirit. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture. If you have a comment on this show or an idea for a future show, go to dvmercy.com and click on the Double-Edged Sword icon. Or you can text your comment or idea to 785-621-4110. And folks, don't forget, great shows like this one you just heard are listener-supported. If you can support this station and help save souls for heaven, go to dvmercy.com and click on the Donate button. You're listening to the network of stations of Divine Mercy Radio. If today you hear His voice... Pardon not your hearts.